Hey, what's up? This is Ayadeli. Uh, welcome to another episode of Ayadeli Speaks. I'm Ayadeli, husband, father of two, senior partner of education and director of Beamy's Talk, all with Community Bill Ventures, 20 years teaching, leading in public, private, international schools. One thing you'll notice is that I am not uh, walking today. I'm actually stationary. This is not a normal time, but just something came up, and I, and I usually like to hit the record button when um, something uh, appears to me. And so, hey, you know, I'm based here in Atlanta, Georgia. And so what that, and it's late July. So what that means is school is back in session. We got teachers going back for teacher orientation, new teacher orientation, setting up their classrooms, doing all that other type of stuff. And I wish all the teachers, um, a very successful year. I wish them patience, uh, self-compassion, compassion, um, as we navigate this new year. And so one of the things that often comes up, um, well, there's a few things that's been on my mind, but I'll, I'll stick to one of them, is how important it is to build relationships with students and how that is a cornerstone of uh, facilitating, creating the conditions for really, uh, for learning to happen with our young folks. And, um, you know, it, it's so interesting because people are like, well, what's the most important thing as a teacher? Build relationships, build relationships. But people don't really talk about what that means and talk about it in a specific way. And so for me, I always think there's something missing in the conversation, especially when I talk with, um, particularly when I, well, no, especially, particularly when I speak with teachers who are early career, meaning new, sometimes their first year. But I've also seen it on, on as, <laughs> as Amanda Seal says, the Twitters. Um, and on social media. Um, but we know that, you know, relationships are, it's interpersonal skills. It's how we're relating with kids, connecting with kids, um, sharing, getting to, I was just reading an ed, ed, an, uh, Edutopia article where it was, um, they were saying things like, um, learn your students' names, make sure you're listening to students, uh, make sure you're greeting them when they come in um, each day. Um, just these these things that are that are very important into building relationships, but I feel like um, there's still something that's missing in the conversation, and I always think it's how you build relationships when students aren't there, and how you build them non-verbally when they are there, and so hang with me here. So I, I think of when they're not there. It's essentially, what are we doing when students are not there? How do we build a relationship with them? And so I was thinking that, like, we build it in, in our preparation, our pre-planning, how well we spend time prepping for each class, writing lesson plans, writing unit plans, understanding, um, you know, just preparing for the year. Some of it comes from um, experiencing certain professional development and growing your ability to um, deliver lessons in a culturally relevant way um, and also a culturally responsive or culturally sustaining techniques and strategies. Um, it is it is basically us prepping to lead them in the class, right? The other thing is before they get there, the, you know, is... Um, the how the setting up our classrooms, right? And so it's one thing to build a relationship by putting a student's work up on the board, which you should do, which is strongly recommended, but it's also recommended to have a full-on design and process for 
building out your class, the physical space in your classroom, how you organize the desk, how does paper, you know, how, where is your desk situated? Um, where's the board situated? How do you help students, you know, really engage from different parts of the classroom? Um, you know, what do your walls look like? Where does homework get turned in? Where are supplies at? Where is this, the cabinets? Where are your computers? How are the computers looking? How are they organized? Is there a process? Let me just, just go on a little side note one time. I went into a kindergarten classroom um, at a school here in Atlanta, and it was wonderful to see the entire classroom was color-coded. But there was a specific place that was color-coded by this teacher and her teaching partner. And what they did was they had they had iPads, right, and headphones. And what they did was they put um, a, a purple sticker where the iPad should go. They put a burp, another purple sticker where the headset should be, and then they had a purple chair. So the students knew, and I, and I think they even had purple headphones and then a purple case protector for the iPad. So it was all purple to understand, like, this is where it goes. This is the equipment that goes on this color. And they did that for red, green, yellow, orange, purple, all around a kidney table. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so clear now granted there it's kindergarten kindergarten but you know they probably had trouble with that but it was this this that's a way that we non-verbally form a relationship with a kid there is organization there is order there is structure they might not they might not fully especially at that age fully comprehend what you're doing but their their unconscious space understands that there's some order to this place, which then allows them to settle in and um, be a part of the and and I think have a more uh, I'm running out of words, but like having a healthier relationship with you because oh this teacher's organized oh there's a place for everything, so there there's this pre work that needs to be done. Also, it's how you present yourself. Right. The way that you present yourself also is communication of your relationship It's a nonverbal communication skill that we have. And so, you know, for some people it is, you know, for as as a black man, I've worked in schools where I had to wear a shirt and tie. Right. I've worked in schools where I can wear literally flip flops and gym shorts. And quite honestly, um, I understood the power of a suit and tie when, you know, I'm working in corporate America or going to church and so on and so forth in the respect. I didn't quite get it for being a classroom teacher until I took, you know, took a job in 2013 where I had to wear pants, uh, you know, khakis or whatnot or dress pants, hard sole shoes, uh, shirt and tie every single day, all day long. And not a tie that was loosened and hanging around, like fully tied and push up to the, you know, to your neck. And, but what I realized was that while, you know, respectability politics isn't the game, isn't what I'm talking about here, but there is a sense of projecting a level of order, a level of high quality presentation to our students. And so you, the way you dress is appropriate. The way that you, you know, are clean, the way that you smell, the way that you keep your hair, your skin, you know, all of those things are really, really important in communicating that you care about yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you got to wear a shirt and tie, right? But you might, 
wear a shirt that's ironed, right? And so you'll determine what that what that means for you. But I'm just saying that that is that is a a a, a, a community. You're communicating to them, um, to our to our students, to your students. Um, you're communicating. I don't. I don't know the word. You're just communicating to them that you're ready. You presented. You you've taken some time to be prepared for this particular environment, right? Um, because I remember one time when um I my when we had just moved down to to Georgia and this one time you had to wear a shirt and tie. I went to my my son went to another school. He was in fifth grade at the time, um, and um I went to a school for back to school night. Well, um. Little did I know that there was, you know, he didn't have a first year teacher, but, you know, one of the the fifth grade uh, teachers um, was a first year teacher. And um, I only say that because she was on the struggle bus like there. It seemed like no one had pulled her aside to say, hey, she looked she looked completely exhausted. Um, Her clothes were kind of ruffled. It, It just looked like she had a long day and she was getting ready to go into back to school night and hadn't really straighten herself up, you know, tucked her shirt in, you know, um, refreshed her face, put her hair. And I'm, and, and I'm just saying like, it is this, it is this level of presentation as communicating your readiness to lead folks. And so that's, to, that does a lot. And so when we're building, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to, you know, bring it to a close here, but it's this idea of like, what's the pre-work that we need to do? And I often say the non-verbal work before the kids get there, what is our responsibility in our relationship? What is our end of the bargain? Because I think building relationships, that's very key. Now, I have to say that this, just because you're wearing a suit and tie does not mean you're going to have a positive relationship with kids. Just because your room is in order, you're going to have, uh, help, you're, you're still good for kids. What I'm saying is that these things contribute and communicate um, what you hope for and desire for the relationship with that particular child and um, putting it together while um, you're also engaging in those one-on-one small group, whole group interactions where you're learning kids, you're making space for them, you're creating equitable learning environments. Those also contribute to um, building strong student relationships because as, as we know, I mean, I mean, not as we know, but you know, you, I've seen a lot of this on Twitter and I've kind of experienced this too. If kids don't like you, they're not going to learn from you. If kids don't like you, they're not, or they're not going, they might not learn as much as they could because I've actually seen, and I've had some college professors, some high school teachers that I just didn't like, but I could still learn. Right. I think what it is, is it's more of like, if they don't like you, that is just the, the, we might lessen the, the positive, healthy impact we have on their ability to learn. Right. They have to put more energy and an effort. And so what we want to do is lower any barriers that we have for kids not to show up. And so, you know, the the last thing I'll end with is, is, you know, um, I, I really care that my kids like me because I could also challenge them in ways that if they felt I didn't like them, they might not trust me to take them there. Right. And so I remember, you know, various schools when I started in Oakland Unified School District some many years ago, I remember a kid came up to me and was like, Mr. Harrison, I only do your homework because I like you. And I was just like, cool. All right. 
you know, I wasn't, I wasn't high and mighty of like, well, you know, how, how sometimes we can get, well, you need to be able to do math for the love of math and all that, man, that, mm, they don't care about that. The fact that he said, I only do my homework because I like you, that's a win for me because you're doing my homework. The key, the key is whatever it takes for you to do your homework, because I know that leads to you being a success in the class and will put you on a, on a hopefully um, increase the likelihood of success as you continue to move on in life. But anyway, so I just want to I want to share those just nonverbal things or things we do prior to our in-person engagement with students that actually are relationship building practices, healthy relationship building practices. Anyway, I'm Aya Deli. Just always taking a moment to share my thoughts. Uh, thank you for taking a listen. Till next episode. Peace.